Welcome to Living Free Today, a ministry of Cornerstone Fellowship in San Lorenzo, California. These podcasts are the weekly sermons of Dr. Michael L. Wilson. Please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Luke 15, we will start looking at verse 8. Luke 15, 8 is the parable of the lost coin. It is the middle of the three lost parables where Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. There was a conflict with the Pharisees and the Pharisees who held themselves in very high esteem They thought they were God's gift to the world. They thought that they were perfect in every way, or at least any way that you could find out. And because of that, there were tax collectors, there were prostitutes, there were people that the Pharisees called sinners, that rabbinical writings from that time actually called them people of the land, They were people that did not seem to put God and temple worship first. They were people who were poor. They were people who would beg. And so because they could not interact with the Pharisees at their level, the Pharisees would just judge them and condemn them for to uh, apart from God, be apart from God. And Jesus is saying in these three parables, that those people are lost, those are the lost people, and that when they are found, when when the gospel is explained to them, when they gain salvation, there is a celebration and a party in heaven for every sinner that repents, and not for every Pharisee who thinks he's all self-righteous. And so, the first of these three parables is the lost sheep. A sheep gets lost, The shepherd leaves the 99 and goes and finds the one, picks the one up and carries the one back. And then there's a party in town in the village and there is a party in heaven. This is a story of 10 coins, 10 silver coins. Now several people, if you've been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard speculation as to what these coins could be, perhaps You've heard that they were a dowry or something of that nature. Uh, we do not understand, but we know from we do not know what they why she had ten coins. But we do know from this parable that the coins, even one of them, was very important, had value to the woman. Now we do know from the passage it says silver coins. What woman having ten silver coins? We know from history that the only silver coin that was regularly minted by the Roman government was a drachma. A drachma was about the size, I guess a little smaller than a quarter. You can get them today. You can buy them on the internet. They did billions of them apparently. They just minted these silver coins. And it was equivalent to a day's wages. The way that it would work back then is that you would get up And you would go to the various fields that are out there, farming communities, and you would hire yourself out for a day. You were a day laborer. Most people, 
who were of the Jewish villages were day laborers. They did not know which field they would work in on any particular day. And when they would work all day and they would harvest or they would plant and at the end of the day, the person in charge of the field would give them a single silver coin called a drachma or a denarii, and that was a day's wages. And then they would take that and go to the market and they would buy the food for the day. And in buying the food for the day, they would then take it home. The woman of the house would then prepare the food and the family would have the one meal of the day. The fact that we have three meals is, came actually out of the French Revolution because it is something that kings did. It is something that the very rich did. They got up and there would be food ready and then they would have a food midday, then they would have a food before they go to bed. And so because we are built on that view of, of our importance as Americans, uh, we do that. We have three meals a day. Back in Jesus' day, he probably only ate once a day. And that's just how different societies do different things. And so when one of the coins is lost, you can look at this and you say, okay, she has 10 days wages. If you go for a five-day work week, even though they probably had a six-day work week, that's two weeks, okay, worth of these coins. That is uh, something to definitely go, hmm, she had wealth at that point. And we may think, well, two weeks worth of wages, whatever you earn today or have earned over two weeks, it probably isn't billions and billions of dollars, but it is something necessary. You do need it if two weeks of your wages just evaporated. You would notice it. And so the fact that she has collected this tells us something about her valuing the coins, her wanting to keep them. And if she has 10, perhaps in the back of her mind, she's thinking maybe someday I'll get 11, maybe someday I'll get 12 if she saves her pennies and her nickels. And so she loses one. And if you look at this parable, it starts with a question, or what woman having 10 coins? And this is basically one big question that is being put to the Pharisees. It has already been determined by Jesus that the Pharisees were lovers of money, that they would do anything for money. And so when Jesus is talking about a purely financial parable, this isn't a, a lost sheep which could be sold for money. This is actual money that is lost. And so the Pharisees are going, hmm, there's money that is lost. And what will she do? How important is this money? And it says that she sweeps. She lights a lamp and she sweeps. Now, if you remember all of the, all of the houses back in Jesus' day had dirt floors. They didn't do like we do today. The house that I'm living in actually has a crawl space between the dirt and the floor. Our floor is, is above the dirt. Okay, that is something else that is uh, seen in America as normal, that we don't live in the dirt. But back then, they would just come and they would find a plot of land and they would put 
four walls and a ceiling and not do anything with the floor. The floor was dirt. And so she's sweeping a dirt floor. You can also imagine if you have a dirt floor and you drop a dirty silver coin. The coins um, back then, they didn't stay shiny. The more that you held them with dirt and grease on your hands, they would become very dark. And if you dropped it on the ground in a house that had no electric light, and then you walked on it, it could very easily get ground into the dirt floor. And so she lights a lamp, and she starts sweeping, and she's searching, and she's probably holding the lamp very close to the ground and searching diligently. We do not know how much furniture she had, but whatever furniture she had, I'm sure was moved, and she got things, looked under things, and she looked over things. And then finally, after a period of time, she finds it, and she picks it up, and she goes out her front door, and she starts yelling to her neighbors. Now, the villages back then were very close together. The streets are very narrow. They didn't know what a car was, so you only had to walk down a street. So the streets are very narrow. The houses are very close together. It was very popular to save money to actually have a common wall between you and the next one. Today we would call these townhomes. Back then they just called them houses because if you were poor as most of them were, if you could only have to build two walls and a ceiling because you're sharing that wall and you're sharing that wall, then that would be something that you would do. But it was very easy to come out and to start shouting that I found the coin, come out and celebrate. And people knowing this woman and the value of these coins would come out and would celebrate with her. And then Jesus ends by saying, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And that is the point of all three of these parables is that when somebody who is lost, who is hell-bound, figures out and understands who God is and turns their life through repentance around toward God, that is a party in heaven. Now, the angels do not celebrate and God's a grumpy. Everybody is celebrating. If the angels are celebrating, God is celebrating. They are of one mind, they are of one heart, one thought in heaven currently when Satan, of course, was of a different mind, he was kicked out. So all those who are left in heaven are all of one mind and one thought. So when it says there is joy in heaven, it is everybody is having a celebration. Everybody is joyful, God and the angels who are up there. Now, one way of, of studying or looking at these type of parables is we have three parables that all have the same moral. We've looked at two of them. One thing that we can do is to compare and contrast, and we did that a lot in seminary. We would take similar things. We would take the the sheep parable and the coin parable, and we say what things are similar, what things are different, and therefore discover perhaps what God is, is telling us. You have to 
believe that Jesus Christ telling three different parables that all have the same moral, they must come at it from a different angle or a different way of looking at it. And so for the last 2,000 years, as people have looked at these, those sorts of thoughts have come up as people have wondered why there are three different ways of saying the exact same thing. And one possible way of looking at this, I think it is not the only way, but it is a true way, is that the sheep and the coin are actually quite different. The sheep is self-mobile. If you leave the sheep in a field, it'll go. You don't have to wind it up or put batteries in it or anything. The sheep is just going to go. And in the sheep's mind, because we've studied sheep for millennia, they tend to be looking for better food than what they have over here. They don't seem to be uh, wanting to look for different temperatures. Sheep don't seem to be interested in that, but it's definitely food. And so if the grass is a bit stringy where you're at and the, the sheep, knowing the old adage that the grass is greener on the other side, says, I'm going to go to the other side and look for greener grass. And so, boo, goes in a straight line. Also, if the sheep is not scared or if there's no noise kind of pushing the sheep in any particular direction, the sheep will go in a straight line. So if you just let a sheep go and there's no wild animals or fences or anything, the sheep will just go straight in that direction, eating as they go. If there are other sheep around, then the sheep will mill around with the other sheep. If there's fences, the sheep will, you know, go along the fence. But sheep seem to be, seem to be single-minded. Now, nobody knows what's really going in in the mind of a sheep, but we've been looking at them for thousands and thousands of years because sheep have been domesticated since the beginning of time. And so if you look at a sheep who, is, who has a will, who has desires, and is looking for something to bring about those desires, to bring pleasure in some way, some food way, and then you look at the coin, the coin is just sitting there. The woman could call out to the coin, hey coin, and the coin would never answer. The coin is unable to answer. The coin is for all intents and purposes, a dead coin. The sheep is alive. The sheep is active. The sheep is doing things. The coin is not. And so if we look at human beings, if we look at who we are and how the Bible talks about the various parts of a human being, we have wills and we have desires. One of the biggest problems we have today is that people have desires and the, the powers that be say, go for it, do whatever you want, let your desires run free because that's the best thing that you can do. And so there are people who, whose will is corrupted against God, who have not understood or heard the truth about God, who know nothing about a way to live. They don't know the difference between righteousness and sin. And so they, 
they have a will, they have a desire. This feels good. This gives my mind relaxation. This does something else that makes me comfortable, causes me to, to perhaps rest or sleep. And so people today, at least, definitely in Jesus' day with the Pharisees, are doing whatever they want to do to make their mind feel good. People who have studied addictions as as we are heavy into today, a lot of people are addicted to all manner of things. People who have studied what addiction does to the mind, addiction seems to be a pain reliever. The people are in either physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain, and if they do this drug or if they watch this TV show or if they uh, spend hours and hours on their phone, these things seem to be a distraction from the pain of the day. And so addiction is seen as a pain reliever. And if you look at a sheep, a sheep perhaps has hunger pain, and they're going to go anyway, any which way they can to satisfy that to make themselves full again. And people today who have wills that are not anti-God, but definitely self-serving. If my will is self-serving, I am like a lost sheep. I am like a sheep that is just going and going and going until they find something that makes life better for them. Now, the Good Shepherd has always been seen as Jesus Christ. So the sheep passage, the sheep parable, we see Jesus Christ as the one who came. And I'm doing whatever I want. I'm doing my own thing. I am living my own life. I am being such that I am comfortable in what I am doing. And it is Jesus Christ who came and initially showed us the way to live. If we look through the Gospels at the things that Jesus commanded us to do, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. There are 49 commandments in the Gospel, and I have published those before. You can get books on them. You can get uh, bookmarks on them. You can get all sorts of posters for your wall of the 49 commands of Jesus, and those are supposed to bring us to a place where I say, I'm going to do whatever I want. Oh, but Jesus says, don't do whatever you want. So I can make choices, and I can begin to do things. I can begin to, through the power of God, to mold my will toward Jesus Christ and that is one way to look at the lost sheep. Now, the lost coin, when we look at the Bible and when it says we are dead in sin, what is the Bible talking about? The Bible is talking about our spirit. When you are born into this world, you are born into sin, your spirit is dead. I can tell you all about God. I can give you a hundred Bibles. 
I can play you Christian podcasts all day long. And if your spirit is dead, you're not going to hear it. You're not going to hear anything. Someone whose spirit, who is spiritually dead, who is dead in sin, is like the coin, unresponsive to what is going on. Now in the coin parable, we say we are the coin and the woman is the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit who makes your spirit alive, who gives you grace such that you can begin to hear. You can begin to hear the shepherd calling. You can begin to respond to what the shepherd is saying because the Holy Spirit has swept out your mind. And when we think about us being dead in sin, the things that are the gunk and the dirt and the dust, we think a house with a dirt floor is kind of messy. Well, the mind and the heart of an unsaved person who is against God has nothing compared to that. They are the most wicked thoughts and the most wicked things in their mind is that everybody who doesn't believe in God or who is against God, their mind is absolutely and totally corrupt. We say totally depraved or desperately wicked. There is nothing in there that is good and it's the Holy Spirit doing what is said here, lighting a lamp and sweeping and cleaning out our beliefs and our desires and our mind and our heart so that when the good shepherd says, hey, over here, we can hear finally and we can understand finally. And so it is the work of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to get people saved, to find those that are lost, to bring people into the kingdom. And when they are successful and somebody moves from a place of desires that are against God and spirits that are spiritually dead to someone who is spiritually alive and who has desires for God, then it is a party in heaven. Then it is joy in heaven. And I think if we ask, well, what are they joyful about? Well, first they're joyful is that the system that God set up works. If God said, I'm going to save people this way, this way, and this way using these three parables and nobody ever gets saved, then God's not God, really, and it would just be a big failure in heaven. But the fact that God, and it's kind of dumb to say God had a good idea, but God had, God designed how we are saved. God designed the salvation system. And I think for the angels, it says in various parts of the New Testament that the angels are blown away by what's going on in heaven. You have angels that are in heaven today who from their inception, from their creation, have been perfectly obedient to God. They have never had a sinful thought. They have never had a desire against God. They're doing great. Them and God are on the same page from the beginning of their existence. They have been serving God. 
Angels don't have the same problem that we do, which is we have all these desires and thoughts that are sinful and against God. Angels don't have that. And so when angels look in the mirror and then they look at us, they see us as lost, as a real problem, as anti-God. And when God goes through all this work, and the cross was work for God, when he goes through all this stuff to save us, seems that the angels are blown away by this. They're blown away by God's love, and they celebrate. They celebrate that it worked. They celebrate that God is actually saving people. And through time, over 2,000 years since Christ, since the beginning of time from Adam and Eve, God has been making a way, making a system, making a plan, and explaining it to us to get us saved. And when some people are saved, it is a celebration in heaven. And so when we look at just these two parables, we see that we're not saving ourselves. The sheep is not going out into the wilderness and figuring it out and then coming back to God and saying, I figured it out. The shepherd, Jesus, has to go after them. The coin definitely is not finding itself, as we say. You know, the coin is not going to find itself. We have to look for it. We have to do something. The Holy Spirit has to go and get it because the coin is not going to come to the Holy Spirit. And so when we say how are people saved in a very big picture way, we say they are saved by Christ. That Jesus Christ is the one who saves through the work of the Holy Spirit. And if somebody says, well, what about good works? Well, there are no good works. There are no works good enough. Only what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And somebody says, well, I was born into a Christian home. I was born into a... Christian village or a Christian community, uh, as has been said, Jesus has no grandparents, is that you cannot inherit your salvation, is that the shepherd didn't stay with the parent sheep back in the pen and preach to them. He went out and got the lost sheep. The woman didn't stay with the nine coins and make sure they were all polished and pretty. She looked for the lost one, is that God saves individuals. When John saw heaven, there were an uncountable group of people praising God, probably in the billions. There are, is something uncountable back then. And you, you look at that and you say, wow, but individually, each of those individuals were saved individually by God, and then one by one by one by one by one by one, and over the thousands of years, you end up with a billion or so of people who are praising God. But if you talk to them, if you go there and pull somebody out of line and you say, how were you saved? They will all say, through the blood of Jesus Christ, individually, they were saved. And so everybody is lost. Everybody who is born lost into this world. And it is through the work of the Holy Spirit to clean us out, to sweep us out, to light a light 
in our lives. It is Jesus Christ who comes and left heaven and came to earth to find us, to get us, and to carry us into the kingdom of God. And that is God's system of salvation. That is the only, at the end of time, when we all stand before God, that is the only system, the only plan, the only way of salvation that will have been enacted. God has no back doors. God has no cheats. God has no second chances. God has nothing other than what is plainly presented in these parables and in the Bible. God saves through the blood of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this truth. I pray that as we read these parables, we will ask the question, Am I lost or have I been found? And if I'm found, how am I living like the shepherd wants me to live? Lord, I praise you for all of these things. And I ask your blessing on the remainder of the day. I ask your blessing on the food that comes afterward. And we ask all this through the blood of Christ. Amen. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 180 Llewellyn Boulevard, San Lorenzo, California. Our Sunday morning service is at 1045 a.m. Our website is livingfreetoday.org and our phone number is 510-278-2622. May God continue to bless you as you serve your King. God bless.